Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married 19 years and have seen the fruit in raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from the faith by age 18, and it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in a fallen world. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, everybody. This is a part two. So mm-hmm. if you haven't listened to part one, it's okay. You could jump on this or you could go listen to the other one first and then yeah. this one. But uh, either way, they stand alone as awesome episodes, but they go together as 10 tips for parenting six to 11 year olds biblically part two. Yeah. So in the first episode, we'll just do a quick overview sure. of what we covered in last week's podcast. We talked about character development because this is the age when you really want to be focusing on building character qualities like honesty, Absolutely. integrity, things like that. Right. Um, the second topic we covered was discipling our kids yeah. right, and teaching them. And the third thing was responsibilities which also goes into like contributions, like what contributions they're bringing to the family and that they're able to be responsible, right? And then the next thing was disciplined life, which is not in context of like consequences, but living a disciplined life, being responsible in that regard. Um, And then the fifth topic we covered last week was friendships. It was well received. So many people sharing and listening. One of the top episodes out of the gate we've ever had. Um, And part two, I'll run it down real quick. So we're going to go over the other five here, Mm -hmm. which is your relationship with them. Um, their thing, and we'll talk about that, yep. purity, oh, big topic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that could be its own episode, which yes. we probably will do on on that at some point. Yeah. Uh, and four is education, and five mm-hmm. is identity in Christ. And those are the 10 things that you've really got to be doing well with your 6 to 11-year-olds yeah. so that they go into their teenage years yielded to you and your authority and wanting more information from you mm-hmm. and obeying you, more importantly, yielded to God. Yeah. This is the age where their faith starts becoming their own. We talk about that more towards the end of the podcast. But this season of their life, there's a lot of changes that are happening from age 6 to 11. Huge. Huge. Not just physical, but mental, emotionally, educationally, knowledge-wise, understanding, wisdom, all kinds of things, right? And our approach must change as they are changing. That's right. Yeah. So super important. And a large part of that is actually in regards to your relationship with them because you can't know how best to parent your child if you don't have a good relationship with them, if you don't know what makes them feel most valued, what yeah. what they're most interested in, all of those things, right? And so and if you're far removed from this age bracket, it's okay. These are important things to have in your mind mm-hmm. and you'll get good things uh, for where your kids are at in age right now. Mm-hmm. If your kids are already teenagers, it's never too late. All mm-hmm. of this is still relevant. Yes. It is best if you can do it prior, yeah. but it's never too late. Right, right. I mean, all of these topics, obviously, purity, that's something you want to be working yeah. on with your kids <laughs> the whole time they're in your house, right? Yeah, but- <laughs> it's super important. But I really want to mention CourageousParenting.com because that's where all the resources are. You go there, mm-hmm. you hit the menu, hit podcast, and then you got all the show notes. You got video yeah. of this episode. Uh, You also have any resources we mentioned and the form to fill out. If you haven't already got the date night one sheet that signs you up for email list. Normally it's about one email a week. We give a parenting tip a week and Mm -hmm. notify you you of the new episode at the same time, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, there'll be another promotional thing, but very rarely, but you'll get that download. It's really powerful. Also the courageous parenting workshop. It's a free 30 minute workshop. People are raving about, and you can always get that from there too. Yeah. So Another thing that I just wanted to bring up as well, because we you were just mentioning the resources, there are still a lot of resources that are at CourageousMom.com, like the Christian Postpartum course. Oh, yeah. We have, we've had hundreds of women go through the Christian Postpartum course. Huge. And it's just an awesome ministry for starting out the season of motherhood, whether you are having your first baby or you've had eight. I have a lot of moms that are on multiple births, right? They've had many kids and they're like, oh, I wish I would have known about this. And so it's an exciting time to be able to minister to someone in that season of their life. At the beginning, 
out the gate of motherhood. And this, the, the, all of so. this is a labor of love for us. We absolutely yeah. love doing it. We dedicate tons of hours to all of this stuff. And it helps us support anytime you share it or someone purchases something or anything like that, which is great yeah. uh, and super helpful. By the way, as we've mentioned many times, the mission is one million legacies yeah. impacted. And we can't do that on our own. And so we're just really thankful that you guys have come alongside us kind of like well, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you're running the race right next to us. Yeah. And you're like doing it. You're doing the hard work in the trenches every day, but delighting in your kids and enjoying them. And we just are encouraged that you guys are doing that. So don't forget to hit the tap and give us five stars on iTunes. If you haven't already done that, share the episode however you want. It really helps get it out there. And uh, we could eclipse a million downloads this year, That'd be amazing. which impacts a lot of people, which is super, super exciting. Yeah. So let's dive in. Okay. Why don't you go over the first one? Well, the first one actually impacts all the rest. Yeah. Okay. So the first point we're talking about is your relationship with your child or children that are, I mean, and this really, like you said before, it applies to any age, mm -hmm. right? However, we're talking about ages six to 11. Okay. So this is the age where they start figuring out things that they're, they like or don't like. They start yeah. having opinions right? And we as parents have an opportunity to delight in our kids as they're doing new things, as they're getting good at something that maybe was harder before, mm -hmm. as they're uh, making new friends. We talked about friendships in the last episode. Um, all of the different things that our kids are starting to experience between age six and 11 changes our relationship with them, actually. Yeah. If we allow it to, if we engage let me give you an example. Let's just, I'll, I'll bring up friendship for a second because that was the last topic in the previous podcast. When your kids start like making friendships that are outside of friendships that you have cultivated and kind of been more in control of because they were younger, right? And so maybe your 10-year-old or 11-year-old goes to soccer. And they meet another like-minded little boy. Maybe you both homeschool. You have some, They have something in common, right? Where mm -hmm. the kid would go, oh, mom, I want to get together with them. Yeah. And so they start pursuing a friendship, right? And then you get to see how your child interacts with this friendship that wasn't someone that you chose for them. Yeah. You see if they're a leader or a follower, for example. Mm -hmm. And then that changes the conversations that you have with them as a parent, because if they're more of a follower, what are your conversations going to be around? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, yeah. well, okay, I'm glad that you have this friendship, but if you want to continue this friendship, I would need to see you start leading more. Right. Or if they are a leader, you affirm that in them. Hey, yeah. I overheard this conversation when you were in the car with Johnny and, and I was really proud of how you stood up for what was right. Or you know what I mean? Yeah. So you start your, your relationship with your kid changes because your conversations with your kids get to change as they are growing. It's so exciting because sometimes parents respond too late when the kids mm -hmm. are already starving for mm -hmm. this deeper relationship with you. And what yeah. I mean by that, it's not a deeper love. The love's there, but it's a deeper communicative relationship mm -hmm. where they become, they want to talk about more things, but unless you proactively invite it, Mm -hmm. They don't quite know how to do it sometimes. You know what is also super important about this age? I'm just thinking about any relationship you have, right? Yeah. Okay. So like you and I, let's just take our marriage, for example. Yeah. We know a lot more about each other now, twenty over 20 years into marriage than we did when we first met. Yeah. Right? A lot. I mean, we thought we knew each other when we were walking down, when I was walking down the aisle and we were getting married, I was thinking, oh, I, I know this guy and I love this guy. But who I was then is nothing compared to who I am now. I'm meaning a lot of changes happen and a lot of changes happen in you. Totally. Which should happen in every marriage. And think of how your kid is changing. Yeah. That's where I'm going with this, yeah. right? And so you as a parent, absolutely, the first thing that's super important in your relationship is you have to be willing to let your child change and grow. Yeah. And you have to anticipate it. You have to call it out in them, be excited for them, acknowledge those milestones. And I'm not talking about Oh, honey, you grew three inches. I mean, yeah, we do that, right? Where we measure our kids and we draw a little line on the wall. And we're like, oh, yay, you grew. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, you know what? It used to be hard for you to stand up for what was right. Now it's, it seems like it's easier for you. Yeah. 
right? So you're like, calling it out. You're, you're calling out looking the for things to call. You know, subconsciously, I think sometimes, especially if it's your first child uh, or your second child, you might be like, oh, they're growing up so fast. You almost want to keep them where they are. And subconsciously, you might say certain things that actually don't call out the growth and progress right. in them. Or you just, okay, here's here's a perfect example of that. You always. Mm. Right? Saying those definitive. That just keeps people right back. It, it labels to their, them. To their old So, sin. for example, you never clean your room. Well, what if. What if they actually do clean the room, but like two days a week, it's more messy. And yeah. then you're saying you never, yeah. I've lived with you for 10 years and you never clean your room. Is that acknowledging the growth that maybe they've had in the last two years? So this is the thing. If you were your child, would you want to be communicated to the way you are communicating to your child? Would you want to be coached by you? These are really important questions that you need to ask yourself because it's not just about your you liking your child. Like this is actually a conversation that we need to have with you regarding yeah. your relationship, right? Like most people dread the teenage years. You guys know that we love the teenage years. Yeah. But part of that is because we, we, of course, we love our kids. Everybody loves their kids, yeah. but we like them oh, too. We actually so like hanging out with we them. We spent all day with them today. So great. But they're they're cool people. Yeah. Like I, I like hanging out with Austin. Yeah. I wish oh, I yeah. had more time with him. Yeah. You know, and I. It's been so great since I've been snowboarding lately with them one day a week. Yeah. You oh, get man. little spurts of alone time with different ones on oh, ski lifts. So I'm great. jealous. <laughs> for sure. But I'm happy for you. I'm yeah. glad. It's important that you have that time with them. But I, I, I just think that there's this element, though, where people go, well, I want that. With my teenagers, how do mm. I get there? And that's what we're talking about right now. Age six to 11 sets the stage for you liking who your kids are when they are teenagers. But it's not just about that because you could like them all day long, but what if they don't like you back? Mm. That is actually developed in this age category of six to 11 to 12, right? Yeah. And the relationship that you are developing, that you are, it's its a growing relationship. Just like in marriage, your relationship grows and you know more and more and more about each other. And oh, you walk through a hardship and then you see each other grow. I always like the quote, great leaders always know what's in the minds and hearts of their people. I don't remember who said that. Definitely not me. But it's something I've quoted over and over again over the years and thought about and reflected on because mm -hmm. do you really know what's in the minds and hearts of your kids? The assumption is yes, but if you're assuming, you're probably wrong. Mm -hmm. You need to have deep conversations. And how do you have deep conversations? Oh, I love this. I mean, Isaac, <laughs> you got to teach them the three questions deep thing. Well, I've taught that before on the podcast. Well, they may not remember it. So okay. Isaac is really, okay, I'll just tell you guys, when we first got married, just the way I'm wired compared to the way he's wired, we complement each other well, but Isaac is a good question asker. I have become better at asking yeah. questions, but I was not naturally a question asker. And so I've had to learn how to ask good questions. And you have really inspired me. Well, when you're in a leadership position, your voice uh, will fill the void naturally. And so what you have to provide is space for people who don't naturally fill the 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 noise, right? Fill, right. The void. The, don't, the void. So you have to proactively ask them. You ask them a question. How did it go at whatever the event was or hanging out with your friends? And they say, uh, oh, it went really well. Oh, what went well? There's the second time I asked. They mm -hmm. tell me more. And then I go specific question about something they said. Mm -hmm. And that's three questions deep, getting them deeper, 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 deeper. Well, how's how's your walk with uh, mm -hmm. with God going? Oh, it's going good. Oh, what does good mean? What have you been reading the Bible and then, lately? And then they yeah. open up and then, oh, tell me more. Uh, so you, you've been praying, you know, what's what's on your, your heart? What are you asking God for? Mm -hmm. You know, not in a nosy way, right. but in a like, Hey, I'm I just want to hang out with you and I'm interested. And, yeah. and part of that is that in your relationship, you actually have to spend quantity time, not just quality time. Like you going up snowboarding with the kids, that's quality time Yeah. and quantity time. And some but, people are like, how do you get quantity time? We're barely yeah. able to, you know, financially, you know, make things happen and uh, working hard and all those things. We totally get it. We understand mm -hmm. that. 
there are ways to have quantity time, like the car ride. We've said these things, but yep. these different things. Yep. And you kind of have to divide and conquer too. And you have to have your spiritual thermometer and emotional thermometer on your kids, which is usually the mom's job because she's with the kids more often. Yeah. And you have to communicate with your spouse and go, hey, I just really think I need to have time with this kid. Or maybe you need to go take this kid out for a coffee date. Or can they go to work with you? And, you know, you, you figure things out. I always so. imagine a thermometer above their heads in a way. I know that sounds weird, but it's a it's mm -hmm. an imaginary thermometer yep. of, you know, is their love tank filled? However, yep. that whatever that means for them. Is it low? Is it high? Where is my relationship with mm -hmm. them? And I'm always kind of trying to think about that. And if it's mm -hmm. low, like you said, then we, we, we spend do something. time together. Yeah. And you you don't just dive right into the hard stuff first. You take time loving on them and filling that up so that then they can even bring up the hard stuff. You know what I mean? And so your relationship with them, especially if you're thinking visionary and you're thinking about teen years and down the road, it's just super, super important that you recognize that you actually have to work for your relationship just like they do. It's yeah. kind of like when you're in a relationship with God, if you don't pursue him, are you going to know him? No. If you don't study your spouse, are you going to know him? No. Like it's the same thing with your kids. And so we have to try to know them and remember that just because we knew them when they were four or we we know them better than the back of our hands, right? Because they are our baby and we were with them forever, all these years. But the reality is, is kids change, they grow, they learn, they have, they, they're just this constant growing um, person and they want to be known. They do. And I bet you if you surveyed teenagers, um, almost all of them would say, ah, my parents don't fully know me. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Most of them would say that. That's right. So it's super important that you spend quantity time. It's important that you, that they feel individually valued, that you're allowing them to grow and change, that you're asking them three questions deep, getting into those deeper conversations and you're affirming them and the things that you see them growing in. And this like this kind of culminates and I'm sure that there's many, many more things that we could dig into. We could have yeah. just done a podcast just on that topic. But the point is, is if you're doing the relationship part well, what mm -hmm. we just talked about, then these next four topics in this category are going to go so much better because you can't talk to your kids about purity, for example, if you don't have trust in your relationship with them. Yeah, And so that's why this part is so important because it really is the foundation to being able to educate your kids yep. and stuff like that. So let's read from Ephesians um, chapter six, verse one through three, which says, children, such I know, book. I know this one, children, obey your parents yeah. in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. That's the first scripture I always teach the kids. Yeah. And it's you so know what? I was just thinking about this today. In these last two podcasts, we're not necessarily going into chunks of scripture. I think there were some chunks of passages of scripture. These are more like verses. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to encourage you guys that these are verses that you should be memorizing with your kids and going over with your kids. And the last part of that scripture is very, very key. The why. It's not just obey your parents because God said so. Although that's right. That yeah. should be enough mm -hmm. for sure. But don't we all want to know why? And what does it say? So your life will go. So it'll so go you, well with you. Uh -huh. right? so, so you may live a long life. So long on life. The earth. Thank you. Yeah. Long life on the earth. So mm -hmm. there's a benefit. There's wisdom here. God is saying that you have your parents there so that you have a foundation of knowledge, wisdom and, re and, and relationship with God mm -hmm. that it'll go well with you so that you launch into the right direction. Yeah. It's so really important. cool. And then the next verse, which launches us into point two, which is their thing, which they might not understand what their thing is. So important. But I'm going to start it with the Bible verse and then you can go into teaching sure. about it. So this is in Ephesians also chapter two, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's an action step, right? We have yeah. to walk. We have to choose to walk in them. We yeah. should walk in them. Okay. But he created us. We're his workmanship. Yeah. And he created us for good works. So what's a kid's thing, Isaac? Well, I'll first tell you, in my childhood, I can remember uh, questioning my value to the world. And it was very difficult for me to think about how I would provide someday, how I would make money. I'm like, 
well, I really want to make a certain amount of money. It's not all about money. But I remember thinking this. I wasn't mm -hmm. a Christian. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, who's going to pay me that? Well, nobody. Nobody's going to pay me anything because I'm not valuable. And I remember having those thoughts at a very young age. And mm -hmm. they're unhealthy. And they're, it's so important that they know that they're valuable and specifically have ways they contribute to the family, uh, perhaps at church, to other relationships, uh, in their education. But they have specific thing or things that are called out in them that they can go, oh, I'm valuable. This it's is one, my thing. This is my thing. Yeah. It's one thing to read the word and you can read the word and it says that we're all valuable. But it's another thing to experience it and be have it be called out during ages 6 to 11, which is a critical time. So many kids in this age bracket are depressed, just incredibly depressed and get more depressed as they go in the teenage years. Why is that? It's because they don't feel valuable. We're wired by God to make progress, to contribute, to be needed by other people to, to have a purpose to have a purpose yes and if that's not being called out and discovered by their parents helping them do that then it's going to be problematic and sometimes everybody's doing the same thing and there's some places for that but what is johnny's thing and what's Susie's thing? So here's an example. When the kids were younger, for about eight years in a row, we did swimming lessons with all the kids. At the time, we had six kids. It's a good life skill. It's a good life skill. It was something that we had decided in order for them to pass Tolpen Academy, they all needed to know how to swim, yeah. right? And that is a good thing that they all can learn. But there were some kids that were just more natural at it, oh, that yeah. became better at it and enjoyed it more, actually. Yeah. So that became more their thing. Right. Same thing with music. It's not that we all just do the same instrument. Right. Mm -hmm. It was a matter of introducing them to many different kinds. And guitar and, became Austin's thing. Right. And not exactly. Others. And he, but that was after he even did piano for four or five years. Yeah. And so I, I just think there's this element of like, what are we exposing our kids to as parents? We have this responsibility, actually, to try to introduce them to things versus thinking about ourselves and vicariously trying to live through our kids and forcing oh, yeah. them to do the things that we wished we were good at or that we were good at and That's we're trying resentment. to relive again. You're cultivating resentment in your kids. Yeah, you it has to be about what they're interested in, what they're gifted at, right? And it's not that we don't have our kids do things that are hard. We do, yeah. right? Yeah. Like for some of the kids, swimming was a lot harder than yeah. them. But it was a life skill that they needed to learn. Now, is it absolutely life necessary that all of our kids know how to play piano no not necessarily right and so we have a couple that did play for a really long time and really enjoyed it but it's not something we force on the kids right it's based upon delight directed as well and so i just think that it's important that we expose our kids to many different things and we have our eyes wide open going, so god made that? god made everybody an artist a unique artist one way of looking at it and your job is to be the producer looking for the art in your kids oh that's awesome and so you're looking yeah. and now you might be thinking art is like paintings no no no. art is any gift talent ability that's that god has gifted somebody to contribute that's you your guys, art it can be like in a six-year-old it can be they're really gifted at making lego creations we have one kid that i mean we've had many all, all of our boys have loved legos mm -hmm. but we have a couple that are just like really good at it. Yeah. and and who knows maybe maybe he'll end up being an engineer one day yeah you don't know but but see the fact that i can even say that it's not because i ever wanted to be an engineer i don't have any desire to do that it's because i can set myself aside and look at my child and go wow that's a really cool thing that god put in him that he definitely doesn't get from me and how can i help cultivate that because he's interested in it and, and he's good at and it and here's the big danger of them not discovering their art or they discover it but they're not pursuing their art when we're pursuing our art we feel so good especially mm -hmm. when it impacts other people and and we're getting recognized for making progress doing mm -hmm. something well it's so important um, but what happens is escapism and escapism looks like media looks like technology it looks like video games mm -hmm. um, they escape into it and and it, endorphins go off and it's like a drug and they get into it but the more they do it, 
the more depressed they get because it's not their art. You know, what's interesting, though, is that I, I would even warn some people that even good things can become escapism like books. Yeah. Actually, we had one kid that just loved reading. And I think that there was a time where it was a harder season mm -hmm. right, in their life. And the books was just where they were focused. Yeah. And it was probably not the best thing for them, actually. Looking yeah, back. we had to limit it sometimes. And so um, I just think that they're... It, it's not necessarily just technology, although that is one really good example of it. I think that as parents, you have to have your eyes wide open going, are my kids escaping because their life is actually sad to them? And so they're trying to live vicariously through other lives, through other entertainment, or right? The, or peer pressure is getting to them and they're being swayed into mm -hmm. liking things just because it makes them like yeah. versus it's their real art. Right. I think that to another good um, test or evaluation parents could ask is, is my child a consumer, more of a consumer than they are a producer? Mm -hmm. Meaning, do they sit and produce things? Not that they're necessarily even being used by the world, but do they enjoy sitting and creating Legos and or artwork or painting or just sitting plucking on their guitar or working out or whatever it is that they're like passionate about are they passionate about something and being productive or are they just sitting consuming and, and kind of seeming sad and we have to start asking those questions actually at age 6 to 11 because of how technology has advanced so much yeah the kids are just exposed to so much more now earlier the more they just consume and even if that's education they're just consuming in education and they're consuming in technology and media, movies, things like that. When are they creating? Right. Creating is stimulating. Yeah. And it's because and they're developing skills and things like that. Mm -hmm. They can call their own. All right. Let's go into purity. All right. So purity is a really big topic. We have a couple verses that Actually, we want to share Actually, before with you. we do, we got to make sure everybody knows about the Parenting Mentor Program. That's what helps fund everything. Oh, yeah. So and can even it's do incredible. The People yeah. are raving about it. So many couples have gone through it. Praise God, the impact it's having. Um, and uh, so let's hear from people that have gone through it. Steve and I realized that we were getting too comfortable with the world's vision of how to raise our children. What Angie and Isaac have done in creating this is literally phenomenal. This program provided awesome scripture-based teachings and just some really great practical applications. This class has just really rocked my world. It has given me a vision for not just the different things that we might focus on as parents who are trying to raise our kids biblically, like how our kids are behaving or what we're doing with discipline, but also the things of the heart. We now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind. It's not just these hypothetical situations or it's not just this, here's what I think you should do. It's let me show you where in scripture this is. Do your legacy a favor and yourself a favor and just do it. One of the best things that we've done this year, one of the best investments we've made this year, and I could not recommend it more. We're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights to be leaders for the next generation. So cool. Mm -hmm. So cool. By the way, the only edit that happens in the episodes is when we cut for that little commercial. Other, <laughs> other than that, it's a raw. We just go. Go. Nothing we have ever said has ever been edited out. Except for one time I was sick, a cough was edited out. But that was it. That wasn't <laughs> content though. Yeah. So that's So cool. we're going to jump into point three here, which is purity. And I just have to say... Um, we are not going to be able to spend as much time on this particular topic as we would like to. Obviously, there are even things that we can't talk about on this podcast because of uh, agreements that we've had to sign, yeah. right? But we do cover it much more in depth in the Courageous Parenting Mentor Program. So. so right here in 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says, Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. Mm -hmm. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Okay, that's a big deal. So there's a distinction here mm -hmm. in sexual sin. So purity is important. It's and it's uh, what mm -hmm. we let our eyes see. The eyes defile the whole body, right? There's scripture on that as well. Mm -hmm. So it is so, so important. And during these years, you have to be the initiator of conversation uh, about purity issues. Right. And that actually starts even at younger ages, like, early, early on as they're asking, oh, how are babies made? Different things like that. And we talk more about this in depth 
Actually, we do have a podcast on how to talk to your kids about sex. Go, yeah, go look, look that, that one up. We have some awesome resources that we recommend in that podcast. But we actually, in the parenting program, have a whole session on purity. Yeah. And I think that that is the biggest resource in the parenting packet. There's like over 50 resource recommendations for all different topics. Because that's purity. a closed thing that only people that pay for can get into. We're able yeah. to talk about more because it's not yeah. out in right. the public. Exactly. However, okay, so the open communication on the topic of purity isn't going to happen unless what? Oh, number one happens, right? You have a good, yeah. strong, solid relationship. Yeah. And they feel comfortable with you. They trust you. Yeah. And so that's why we brought it up. Like you guys, if you want to be having the more in-depth conversations with your kids about sexual topics and sexual sins when they're 9, 10, and 11, then when they're 6, 7, and 8, you have to start opening up the conversation on a very mild scale, right? Yeah. And so part of it is not overlooking scripture. Yeah. Here's another one. And you want to teach this to your kids. Uh, it's a crucial scripture. It's in 1 Corinthians 10, starting with 12 here. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Meaning, oh, I've got this. I don't need anybody's help. I don't need to read scripture to be helpful. No, everybody will fall unless they take heed. They have accountability from somebody and they're understanding the scriptures mm -hmm. and they're walking with God. And then it says in verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Our world sells the idea that um, you, you'll you give in to temptation. Christianity often today sells the idea, oh, yeah, you're going to give in to temptation. Now, the truth is we are all still sinning, right? There's no sinless person in the world. But this truth right here is important to know that we always have a way out. Mm -hmm. We're making a choice if we do so. And we have a choice to walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh, which yeah. is what you first read in 1 Corinthians. And it's important that we teach our kids that. This is the age where we start having those conversations about what it looks like practically to be walking as a Christian, to be living the Christian life. Yeah. And purity is one of those very first topics that differentiates us from the world. Right. Because where the world where you have junior high kids having oral sex, having sex, they don't even consider it sex. Actually, a lot of kids don't consider oral sex actually sex, which makes me sick to my stomach. And I can't even imagine that. that OK, anyways. But the point is, is that if, if sixth, seventh and eighth grade kids are experiencing this right now mm -hmm. and parents are not talking to their kids about it imagine what they're going to be struggling with in high school. If you're most kids are exposed to pornography for the first time at age eight. And I would just assume that you, if you want to be the first person to talk to them about how, what sex is and all this, you got to be doing it early, earlier than you probably think. Yeah. Now you're probably wondering what age we're not going to give you an age. Nope. We never give you an age. The reason is you're the parent. You know your kids. We don't know your kids. And everybody has different boundaries and has different homes. Their kids are exposed to different things. Like some of you, you homeschool. Some of you, you don't homeschool. Some of you don't let your kids do sports. Some of you do let your kids do sports. All of these decisions actually impact what age you should be considering talking to your kids about things because of who they're hanging out with and what they're exposed to. So we can't just like give a blanket statement. It's based upon spiritual maturity. Again, you have to evaluate your own child. There's so many elements to this, you guys. Yeah. But for the topic of ages 6 to 11, you cannot ignore these scriptures when you are teaching your kids, when you're doing family Bible time. You have to be able to read through scripture and then explore, like use those opportunities to say, hey, this is the Christian life. This is why we don't do this. This is, you know, I remember I mean? reading through Romans with all the kids uh, and we <laughs> went, I didn't, one. I never wow. skip scripture. Yeah. I will never skip scripture. Why would I do that now? There's levels of detail I'll go into about certain things. So the older kids understand more yeah. about a certain thing than some of the younger kids. Yeah. But I don't skip it. That's for sure. And uh, we should never do that. Yeah. And we also need to realize that this is an age where we need to start having those open dialogues about what 
God's word says about biblical marriage, what his vision is and what our vision is, how we are living. We need to be able to say in our lives, follow my example. Your dad and I have been married 20 years. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and look at your grandparents. Hopefully you can say that. And so um, I just think that there's an element of having those those standard conversations with yeah. your kids because they need to know what they're shooting for, actually. Oh, yeah. And um, I think that we also need to be willing to be more protective than most of society would say is appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. It says in Romans, uh, for example, just talking about Romans, Romans 13, 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to mm, fulfill yes. its lusts. It's all throughout scripture. And the number one thing you've got to make sure happens in the ages six to 11 regarding purity is that your kids feel comfortable talking to you about anything and everything. Oh, mom, I heard somebody talk about, uh, they're going to hear things like that. What is that mommy? Yeah. What, you know, I heard, I heard, um, you know, this or that, I'm not going to say things, but I heard, I heard this or that, you know, what is that? A lot of kids actually just internalize it. And if they don't know what it is. Or if they, they're not comfortable enough coming to the parent to ask. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a huge thing right there is that a lot of kids are scared. Like they're going to get in trouble if they ask. Or mommy, like uh, or, or, Hey dad, I saw, uh, um, I know you told me not to look at devices, but a kid showed me this. And it was a naked lady doing something. And, you know, are they going to have those conversations with you when that happens? And you might be thinking, oh, the people we're around, that's never going to happen. And, wow, we're so protective in this. I I would just assume that no matter how good of a parent you are, that at some point they're going to see that. In fact, if you drive in the most touristy, cool area in Bend, you're going to see what we would call pornography because you're going to drive by Victoria's Secret. Yeah. And they have like huge posters hanging in their windows. Like our kids know. So this is the other thing when it comes to purity. Here's a standard that we've always taught our kids. By the time they are six years old, they should already be trained in how to cover their eyes in if there's like even a kissing scene among animated characters in a movie, right? Like you've already trained them to where you're still like you're training your four-year-old. You're training your three-year-old, your two-year-old, right? Yeah. You shouldn't have to even worry about it. Like you should, you're six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, an op. They should have enough integrity that you can trust that they are turning away. They're closing their eyes. They're covering their eyes, whatever they need to do so that they're guarding their minds and hearts. Because yeah. those conversations should have been already happening for a few years. Guys, we're equipping kids to be confident Christians in today's world yeah. and tomorrow's world too. And if you're asleep at the wheel your kids are going to be exposed to things that they don't have answers to. And they will find the answers from all the wrong sources. If you're not proactively teaching them at the right age that you think is appropriate, but being the first one to teach them. Yeah. So have your standards, communicate with your kids and make sure that you're not looking to the world for your standards, but you're looking to scripture only. So the fourth topic we need to cover is education. And this is potentially another huge topic. If you want to, we have other podcasts on reasons why we homeschool, also on socialization, different things like that. Um, And we are actually going to be speaking at a homeschool conference in April too. So if you're in Washington, we'll be at the Christian Heritage Homeschool Conference. Um, But this topic of education is an important one because you need to develop, again, the relationship where your kids view you as a teacher, even if you aren't their only teacher. Mm-hmm. They should have that teachable heart towards their parent that is a, it's a heart posture, you guys. It's a disciple's heart posture, mm-hmm. which is what God's design for the family is. And so if that is not cultivated in your relationship with your kids, you got to get started now. Because if it's not there six to eleven, it's not going to be there in the teenage years. Yeah. When, and they're not, and if you think I've I've written this on Instagram, if you think that your kids are just going to come to advice, come to you for advice because you're their parents, you are wildly mistaken. You have to live the way they would want to live, so that you're the type of person they want to get advice from, and they need to trust you and feel valued by you. The older they get the less title matters to them. 
In today's generation, titles actually don't mean very much to people at all. Meaning you should respect and look up to me because mm -hmm. of my position title at yeah. a work or whatever. Th these generations don't look at that. Mm -hmm. They go, why? They're thinking inside them, why should I look up to you? Mm -hmm. Now, ob obey your parents, respect your parents because God says, for yes. sure. But are you worthy? Right. I mean, we're Christian parents here. It, we're not going to be the type of parents that are like, oh, obey me because God's word says so. And then we abuse that. Right. And we're hypocrites. No. And we're no, 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 no. We're not following through on if things we're teaching. If we have a selfless heart attitude, if we have God's heart in us, our heart's desire should be to make it easy for our kids to want to honor us. And what a great way to be a better person, which is to have that desire to lead by example in front of your kids mm -hmm. when they're looking and when they're not looking to. Yeah. So on the topic of education, we're not going to go into like, oh, they need to be doing this type of math by the time they're six and this type of math by the time they're seven. That's not this portion of a podcast that we're getting into. They're like, shoot, would you please tell me how to homeschool? <laughs> yeah, but that's a totally different topic. What we're talking about here education wise is that you actually need to be educating them for the world. The courageous parenting is about equipping courageous Christian kids for an uncertain world. What is it about their worldview that you need to teach them so that they have a biblical worldview so that their um, paradigm, so that their worldview is when it's formed is solid Christian biblical. What is it that you need to teach them? Do you need to start talking to them about politics? I mean, we, we have conversations. We have a nine-year-old. And an 11-year-old sitting at the dining room table and a four-year-old. Yeah. And you'll be talking about what's going on in the world regarding politics. And they're listening. Oh, yeah. We just watched the State of the Union as a family together. And lots of dialogue during uh, why certain people were mocking the president. And, and is that respectful? Is that the way we should be acting? Just all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And so it was really fascinating to see, to see their reactions right. uh, to what's happening currently in the political climate. Without any prompts from us. They yeah. actually were able to see um, disrespectful heart attitudes. Oh, yeah. They were, I mean, they, it was shocking the things that they were pointing out. And I'm like, that is the Holy Spirit that you're able to discern that kind of stuff. Because to them, it, they could even look like a I mean, they're wearing, some of them are wearing white, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the symbol of goodness and purity and all these things in most characters. But then they're interrupting. Right. They're interrupting. They're rolling their eyes. Our kids are like, she has haughty eyes. Yeah. Why is she hardening her face? So we talk, we talk <laughs> about, we involve, we talk about things. We talk about what's going on in the world. We talk about the virus that's happening around in China and uh, not, yeah. it doesn't, not to create fear. Our kids don't get fearful when we talk about these things yeah. because I remind them that we are not to fear anything, we're to revere God. And that there's always been stuff like that, and we live in end times. In fact, one of our yeah. culture drivers for this year in our family is revere God and fear no one. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so we really hammer that, and that's important. Yeah. So in that topic of education, you want to intro the things of the world. You want to make sure they have a Christian worldview. Um, and you don't want to um, you don't want to overpressure a direction of education too early on, right? You want to yeah. expose them to many different types of things. It's kind of like what we were talking about with their thing. It's the same thing with education. We um, have always, a long time ago, we were exposed to the concept of delight-directed study, which yeah. is like knowing your child. Again, relationship required. You got to know your child, know what they enjoy, what they're interested in, and then teach them how to research you're yeah. equipping them on how to find out things that they love learning about because really the goal right here age 6 to 11 with education is that they love learning if there's one thing that i could just impress upon you it's that they love learning did you hear that they need to love learning yeah. because if they don't it'll stifle the rest of their life and they need to be prepared for worldly paradigms what is the paradigm on abortion that they're going to be taught out there or are you instilling yep. a biblical view on that Marriage, what is the paradigm they're going to be sold on over and over and over again, intolerant of, or what are we going to stick mm -hmm. to? Are we going to stick mm -hmm. to biblical truth? Yeah. Um, you know, we could go down the list. There's all the different issues, but you have, you, your job is to prepare them for that. And they need to trust your authority because mm -hmm. they're going to get swayed by friends and other Christians out there and non-believers as well. And they're going to struggle too with taking thoughts captive, just like anybody does, right? Like there could be something that they're interested in and it might be a temptation for them to think, oh, I'd never be good at that. I could never learn how to do that. 
But if you are the the voice that's helping them to take that thought captive to go, well, that's just not true. Why would you even say that about yourself? And then you stand beside them and you affirm them along the way as they're learning something. You never know what they're going to be capable of. And do you ask them how they did on their tests or do you ask them what did you learn? Right. That's a big indicator of what you're driving. Mm -hmm. Now, do we want them to do well on tests? Yeah. But I'd rather they actually learn something. Yeah. I don't care if they're a good test taker. I care that they're learning Mm -hmm. and growing Mm -hmm. and they know how to learn, like you said. And the fifth thing is identity in Christ. This is, is set again, another huge topic, but we're doing an overview here. So we have some um, evaluation concepts that we think parents really need to be having on their radar with six to 11 year olds. Um, Because the comparison trap, we talked about this briefly in the previous podcast, the same age category with the concept of growing a character development of contentment, right? But this actually has a huge this, this is huge for identity in Christ because if a kid is struggling in the comparison trap, that could potentially be a symptom of not having a strong identity in Christ, mm-hmm. right? If they're trying to fit into the crowd, if they're trying to and, – and let me remind you, age 6 to 11, this is – again, this is a formative time. This is, these are formative years where they're trying to figure out who they are, uh, even yeah. apart from mom and dad, right? Yeah. Like they, they may be a tulpin. But they're trying to figure out who they are. So there's a family identity in the formative years that they are naturally in. And there's a change happening ages 6 to 11 to really understanding their own identity mm-hmm. in Christ. And right here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So... They are a new creation. We are a new creation when we're a believer. Now, they might have accepted the Lord at age five, six, seven, but there's a period of time where they wrestle with their faith and they may even have doubts and questions. And you need to be there for with for them with that and open to that. And then they really understand who they are in Christ. And you're starting to see the fruit yeah. of that. And that's exciting. Right. And I, I think that this is a time where as a parent, you may get, overzealous, very excited and worthy. I totally understand. It's so exciting when your kids say that they want Jesus in their heart and they love Jesus. Yeah, and amazing. It's, Praise God. It's one of those things where you just are like in awe of the Lord and you're so thankful. It's, it's the heart desire of every Christian parent, right? That your kids would love the Lord. And But I do think that there's an element where we need to be wise and patient with their spiritual journey. Yeah. We don't want to create a legalistic, a religious culture. We want to create a relationship with Christ culture. And if that's real, then it's going to come with some doubt and mm-hmm. some questions sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes not. But- and and I think that this is also a point where as parents um, and, you know, when your kids have their childlike faith. Yeah. And then they no longer want the spiritual milk. Mm-hmm. And they're ready for spiritual meat, as Paul puts it yeah. in scripture. I think there's an element where we have to be willing to recognize that yeah. and let our kids have the spiritual milk. One thing that reminds me of that is when Kelsey was going to Sunday school and then she no longer wanted to go to Sunday school, but wanted to come to church with us. And that was, that was awesome. a desiring that she had for spiritual meat. Yeah. She wanted to be a part of the worship. She wanted to hear the sermon. She wanted to be a part of communion, all of those things. And then she was, it was just shortly after that, that she became born again and got baptized. And um, I just think that there's this element of, again, where parents can sometimes hold their kids back by not letting them grow into having the spiritual meat. And age six to 11 is when they need to start getting off of the baby food, getting yeah. off of the, the baby formula get or the, or the breast milk, right? Like they're at that stage where you have to start giving them more. We yeah. have to feed them. And if they have become a believer in this age range, then you should start to see something different in them. You should start to yeah. see the fruit. You can tell that someone knows God by the fruit in their life. And it's not like there's perfect fruit. None of us have perfect fruit, right. but there's growing fruit. And you want to teach them to walk in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. And that can be an ongoing daily conversation. Hey, are you walking in the spirit or are you walking in the flesh? And they understand what that is. But again, this takes 
you've heard me say a million times, you have to take the rose-tinted glasses off as a parent and be willing to see your child for who they are and use spiritual discernment. You guys, you have to be praying for the Holy Spirit to give you spiritual discernment so that you know how to feed your kids spiritually so that you know what to disciple them in so that you're not fooled actually by them potentially like living a legalistic life, right? And you thinking, oh, everything's great. And then the next thing you know, they're teenagers and they're rebelling and they're walking astray, right? Just remember the enemy, there is spiritual warfare and the enemy hates your kids and hates that they believe in Christ. And hates that they're being raised by you. Yes. And they want... They, the enemy wants your kids to have their identity in the world and God wants them to have their identity to be in Christ. Yeah. And you are the God authorized leaders to help navigate that mm-hmm. and protect your children, mm-hmm. pray for your children yeah. and have open conversations and communication. Again, as parents, we can't save our kids. Only God does. It's a miraculous thing God does. But you are the number one influence in their lives. And we're called to disciple them and equip them. And I think that this is the age, age 6 to 11, where you start talking to them specifically about what it means to be born again. You talk to them and teach them what baptism is in Scripture. You talk to them about spiritual fruit. You talk to them and teach them what spiritual warfare is and how to be a Christian in this world, right? All of these are the conversations that you need to be having between age six to 11 and, and so that you can continue those conversations into their teen years. All of the things that we've been talking about, you guys, is foundational for this age, but it's also what you're going to continue in when they're older. And they're not going to want to hear it when they're older if you haven't had these warm-up conversations. Hey, make sure your spouse is listening to this too so you can have these conversations together and get a date night and really evaluate where you guys are at with these 10 tips in these last two episodes. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, Isaac and I release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you and your spouse to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. It's an incredible program where we cover everything from obedience, training, to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's an incredible community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentorship program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.